Does anybody in here like to watch reality TV? Anybody reality TV fans? It's okay. It's okay. Okay. At least somebody, somebody, please. Um, Rita and I, we absolutely love watching uh, reality TV. One of our favorites is Survivor. It's not on right now. Uh, but we are also, we like to watch uh, sometimes like reality series. And we are in the middle of one uh, called All or Nothing. I don't know if you've heard that or not. Usually it tracks a, a football team. There was one that just came out on the Dallas Cowboys. I'm pretty sure that one's more just not all or nothing. It's more just nothing on that one. Um, but we are actually watching one uh, on the Michigan Wolverines. And it's, it's the college football team, 2017 Michigan Wolverines. I'm loving it, especially when we're in offseason and football to get to watch some football. But you have Coach Jim Harbaugh. And they're, they're going through the entire season. You get to see the games. You get to see um, what's going on behind the scenes as well. But one of the mantras of the Michigan Wolverines that I've learned in watching this show, uh, when, they have, when they're in practice, before a game, after a game, uh, Coach Harbaugh will get everyone together and he'll, he'll, he'll ask this question, shout out, like, who's got it better than us? And everybody chants back, nobody. Who's got it better than us? Nobody. And it's a mindset that they have that no matter what circumstances that they're facing, whatever's in their face, uh, they're the, one of the winningest football teams in all of, of college football history. They have all of this stuff in it for them that no one has it better than them. They got such a huge stadium. They got it, they got it great. And for us, sometimes we can, we can think about our Christian life. Does, who's got it better than us? And sometimes we don't always think that way or feel that way. Well, we're going to be camping out for the next five weeks in the book of Ephesians. Specifically, we're going to be looking at Ephesians chapter 6, which we'll dive to in a minute. But the, the first three chapters of Ephesians... Paul, who's writing to the church in Ephesus, is telling them, nobody's got it better than you. You, ha you got all of these things. Let me tell you all of the things that you have. And so I just, I want to pick a few. We could go into a bunch of them. Ephesians chapter 1 in verse 4. Paul says this, even before he made the world, God loved us and chose us. In Christ, to be holy and without fault in his eyes. Who's got it better than us? Nobody. Verse 11. Furthermore, we're chosen without fault. Furthermore, because we are united in Christ, we have received an inheritance. We got an inheritance from God. For he chose us in advance. Again, you were chosen in advance before the creation of the world. And... He makes everything work out according to his plan. Who's got it better than us? Uh, one more, one more. <laughs> Ephesians 2.10. For we are God's masterpiece. We are God's masterpiece. He has created us anew in Christ Jesus so we can do the good things he planned for us long ago. You are God's, God's masterpiece. Who's got it better than us? Nobody. And why, then why don't we always feel like that? 
Why don't we always think like that? Why don't we always live like that? We are in a battle. For the next five weeks, we're going to go through this series called The Fight of Your Life. We have a spiritual enemy, Satan, who does not want you to know that nobody has it better than you. And in this series, we're going to take a, we're going to like step back, like 200 feet. We're going to step back from the acute problems that are happening in our lives that we are facing the the marriage strife or you got that the problem child or there's that temptation that's just overwhelming you and in your face those are real but we're going to take a step back so we can get a clear and accurate accurate view of what God is trying to say to us through these things and as we are going through these battles to see clearly what is God up to Because in this fight, as long as the problem is your spouse, in this fight, as long as the problem is your kids, and we got some teens in the room, so teens, as long as the problem is your parents at work, as long as the problem is your coworker, or or if you look in the mirror, as long as the problem is the person in the mirror, then our enemy has you where he wants you. He wants you fighting things on the physical level. And we will see, we will see that those things that lead to worry, frustration, doubt, they're all consuming. And yes, they are real. There's something deeper going on. There's a bigger picture going on. And that's what we're going to try to dive into for the next five weeks as we look at this. We're going to look at Ephesians chapter 6. And it's a section of scripture that is called the armor of of God. And it starts in verse 10 of chapter 6. It will be on the screens or you can, you can look at it in, in, uh, on, on your Bible app or obviously if you brought your Bible with you, you can dive in there as well. Ephesians chapter 6 verse 10. Paul's writing. He's kind of wrapping up his letter. letter. He says a final word. Be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. Put on all of God's armor so that you will be able to stand firm against the strategies of the devil. For we are not. Here it is. For we are not fighting against flesh and blood enemies, but against evil rulers and authorities of the unseen world, against mighty powers in this dark world, and against evil spirits in the heavenly places. Therefore, put on every piece of God's armor so you will be able to resist the enemy in the time of evil. Then after the battle, you will be standing firm. Stand your ground putting on the belt of truth and the body armor of God's righteousness. For shoes, put on the peace that comes from the good news so that you will be fully prepared. In addition to all these, hold up that shield of faith to stop the fiery arrows of the devil. Put on salvation as your helmet and take up the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God. Be strong. He starts out. Be strong in the Lord and in His mighty power. That command to be strong... In the, in the Greek, the verb is passive, which means that you are being acted upon. All right? He's saying, you be strong, but your source of strength, your source of strength is not from you. you that source of strength you're being acted upon, it's coming from something else. It's just like a, a cell phone. If I take a cell phone, it can't get its strength anywhere else from what? From the outlet. It gets charged up, its source comes from the 
electricity coming through and I got to plug that into the source in order for that thing to be strong. We have got to be plugged into the source. Your source of strength is not yourself. Your source of strength is not your power. Your source of strength is not your money. It is God and God alone who is going to be that source of strength. In Exodus, when God spoke to Moses and said, Moses, my people Israel have been in slavery for over 400 years and you're going to take them out. You're going to be the one to lead them out of slavery into the promised land. Moses, he's like, okay, kind of have this conversation, but he's like, who do I tell him is sending me to do this? And God says, I am. He names himself. He says, I am that I am. And that's who God is. That he is your source, your strength. He is your power. He is your rest. He is your salvation. He is what you need when you need him to be. Always going to be that way. I am. That's who God is. David in 1 Samuel, one of my favorite passages of scripture, because I love David. That dude was a warrior. He's leading a bunch of men. And in chapter 30, his men, they go out and, and, and they go and fight. But upon returning home, some other army had come in to their home while all the, the soldiers were fighting. Somebody else came in and they kidnapped all their kids, all their, their wives. They, they kidnapped everything and took them away. And it says in that moment, in that time of despair, in, in verse 6, it says, David was now in great danger. Because all his men were very bitter about losing their sons and daughters, and they began to talk of stoning him. David, the great warrior, now has everybody turning their back on him. Not just his enemies, but now his closest friends, his allies, are against him. It'd be very easy to walk away. I think if we, are, if we came in here to church today, and we were the only ones here, like you showed up, no one else was here. You're like, hey, I came to church. Where's everyone else at? I think it'd be pretty easy to be like, oh, I guess God's not here and walk out and leave. But David, he did something here. He says, but David found strength in the Lord his God. Even when he was the only one, when everyone turned their back on, David still found his source of strength in God. And then if you read the rest of it, he rallied the troops. And they, and they went and they fought the battle and they won. But his source of strength was always God, no matter what his circumstances were. And we got to start there. you got to start there. Your source is God, not you, not your circumstances. And then he goes on. In verse 11, it says, Put on all of God's armor so that you will be able to stand firm against the strategies of the devil. Our opponent in this battle, devil, Lucifer, Satan, the accuser, the liar, a murderer. He wants to steal, kill and destroy you and everything around you. And he's not happy that you are here. Because we're going to be talking about his strategies in the next five weeks. He does not want you to know his strategies. He does not like you. In the fourth grade, in the fourth grade, I remember we rearranged our desks uh, one day. And I happened to be sitting between two girls who were, who were like best friends. And they like to talk back and forth, back and forth, back and forth. Well, one day it was, it was flag day. Does anyone ever remember like flag day? I, I mean, I'm, okay, don't ask me what it is. I just know you got to like this little pin, this little button that you got for flag day that you got to put on. It's so cute. Anyway, I went to the restroom. I had to go to the bathroom. Teacher, can I go to the restroom? I go. I come back and I sit down 
between these two girls where my desk is. But when I do, I feel this stinging sensation. Like I got stung by a bee. And I, I sit down and I'm, ah! and I yell and I disrupt the class. And come to find out, these two girls, as I went to the bathroom, decided to take their little flag day pen and sit it on my chair. So uh, me, unknowing, I go and I sit down. And whoa, man, that, I, st- I kind of have still some scars today. Now, fast forward, I come to find out those girls didn't want to, they, they, they put that pin down and it hurt me. But you want to know why they did it? It wasn't because they didn't like me. It wasn't because they wanted to hurt me. You want to know why those girls did that? And you girls, you girls are, are weird like this sometimes. It wasn't because they didn't like me. It was because what? They liked me. They put that, that's weird. It's weird. Listen, if you're a Christian, Devil doesn't like you, but you have a bullseye on your back. And he is coming after you. And that's not to scare you, but to make you a, a, a alert and aware so you can stand your ground and so that you can live in victory. The battle, whether you like it or not, the battle, whether you like it or not, is absolutely unavoidable. It is on you, whether you want it or not, whether you see it or not, whether you recognize it, it is on. And he has strategies, and we're going to talk about them. I want to say the one main thing that, that I want to communicate to you today about one of his strategies is I think he wants you unaware. For you to just go through your day, plow through your day, and not really give any thought to the spiritual side of things. He just wants you completely unaware. He wants to stay hidden and remote. And if you, don't, if you just go through your day, and it's a good day, but you don't, you don't really understand that, that God's on your side or he's trying to work a plan and a mission in your life that you just go through without any frame of reference of what's trying to happen. He loves for you to be unaware. Because I know that's my biggest struggle when I come to this. I'm like, I don't even know that I was in a battle. Great, he loves that. Today we're going to expose that. His goal, his goal is to keep you from victory now. He can't destroy you. If you will give your life to Christ, he cannot destroy you. He cannot keep you from the victory that you have in Christ. But he wants you to not live in victory now. He wants you to suffer now. And so he can't keep you, he, he can't keep you from that victory, but he's going to try everything he can to keep you from your purpose, from your calling, from your mission. He's going to keep you discontent. He's going to tr- try to divide your relationships. He's going to try to get you discouraged. Everything he can to keep you being aware that I have full access to victory right now. Nobody has it better than me. He wants you unaware of that. And, and one of the things that he loves to do is keep you busy. I heard a pastor once say, if the devil can't make you bad, if he can't make you sin and make you bad, he'll make you busy and just keep you distracted. Listen, we need to remind the devil that he is not God's peer. He is not all-powerful. He is not omnipresent. He is not everywhere. He is not all-knowing. He is an enemy. He is an adversary. But he is not on God's playing field. You know what? I've read the end of this book. His time is up. He's not eternal. He loses. We have God on our side fighting this battle. And he does not want you to know that. He does not want you to wear. So the key to victory. The key to victory that Paul says here. Put on the full armor of God. 
That's not your armor. That's not the United States armor. That's God's armor. He's saying, I'm giving you the very best armor so you can win and fight this battle today and win today. That you can walk out of here knowing that you have victory today and you can take that into your week with you. So let's dive into some of this and see what our scouting report is because any sort of battle, any sort of game that you're going to play, there's going to be some strategies involved. And he certainly has strategies against you. He knows your weaknesses. He knows, he knows where to push some buttons. But we can have some strategies against him. So let's take a look and see what the scripture says in verse 12. For we are not fighting against flesh and blood enemies, but against evil rulers and authorities of the unseen world. One thing you need to know about this playing field, one thing you need to know about your, this battle, your enemy is unseen. It's not against flesh and blood. He goes on, against mighty powers in the dark world and against evil spirits in the heavenly places. I have trouble with both of these things. I got an enemy that I cannot see. And I don't, I don't know about you, but heavenly places, I'm not there. I'm fighting a battle in a location that's so far from my reality, I can't see it. I don't know where it's at. How do I engage with an enemy I can't see who's in my face, who's messing with me, who's messing with my family, and is in a physical location or in a location that's so far from my physical reality? That's frustrating. That's frustrating. That makes it hard. It's hard to be aware. Scripture gives us a little bit of clue. Paul gives us a little bit of clue as to what these heavenly places are and what's going on there to help us fight this battle. I want to I show you some of these. Ephesians chapter 1, verse 3. He gives some clues. He's wrapping up his letter, but he gives us some clues earlier in the letter. Ephesians 1, verse 3 says, All praise to God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly realms, heavenly places, same word, same word, just different translation, in the heavenly realms, because we are united with Christ. If you are in Christ, you have every spiritual blessing. You have all the resources you need to fight this battle. They're just in the heavenly places. Ephesians 1.20 says, In the same might, and this is the same mighty power that raised Christ from the dead and seated him in the place of honor at God's right hand in the heavenly realms. Not only is every resource that we need to fight this battle in heavenly realms, Jesus, Jesus is there too. He's right there in the heavenly places. One more. For he, Ephesians 2, 6, For he raised us from the dead along with Christ and seated us with him in the heavenly realms because we are united with Christ Jesus. You, you, you may be unaware of this, you are in heavenly places. And it's not standing room only. It says you have a seat right there for you, a place for you in heavenly places. All the resources you need are there. Jesus is there. And guess what? You you have a seat there. You have full access, full permission, full rights to fight this battle. How do I get there? How do we do this? Well, there's an approved mechanism that Paul gives us right at the end of this section of the body armor of God. 
You think there's only six pieces of the armor, but there's a seventh one that is so important, that's so crucial to all of them, that's going to help us fight this battle and it's going to serve as the foundation of every piece of armor that we put on. You don't put this one on without the rest of them, I'm sorry, you're not going to be able to fight. You're going to be at a disadvantage fighting this battle. He says, after he goes through the entire armor of God, in verse 18, he follows it up. You want to know what your approved mechanism is to access these resources? He says, pray. Pray in the Spirit at all times and on every occasion. Stay alert. Don't be unaware. Be persistent in your prayers for all believers everywhere. Listen, as we've developed core values at Freedom Church, as we're starting out and saying, this is our mission, here's our core values. One of our core values, prayer changes everything. It must serve as a foundational piece for everything that we do. And I know for me, I'm always like, well, I can pray more. I need to pray more and that sorts of things. I don't want to guilt you into any of the things. It's not one of those where it's like, okay, how do I pray? Uh, Oh, thou father art thou. You don't have to like get into any weird traditional language or anything. It's just a conversation between you and God. And you may be saying, well, I don't have like hours on end to pray to God. Not every prayer needs to be some deep thing. It could just be a sentence here, a sentence there. Maybe it's only five minutes. Maybe sometimes, maybe it's, you can spend extended time in prayer, but he wants you to be persistent in your prayers at all times and on all occasions because that's your access to the resources. We are not fighting against flesh and blood. You want to win this battle, it's on the spiritual side of things. It's a spiritual playing field. Jesus did not say, my house will be called a house of prayer because he thought it was cute. Because he thought it would sound good. No. He's like, my house. My house. God's house. The church. It's going to be a place of prayer. And so for us, we got to be aware that that's going to be our key to fighting this victory and putting on all of this spiritual armor. Prayer fights the spiritual battle. Um, How many... Well, we have have homes in Los Alamos. Like 95% of the homes especially in White Rock too. What are they landscaped with? Anybody? Anybody? Front yard, you go drive by, what do you got? Rocks everywhere. Now we are in summertime, but it's kind of like a a full-time deal. If you're trying to keep your yard looking nice in the springtime, what do you got? Weeds. Yeah, sometimes we're like, I'll take anything green. I don't even care if it's weeds or not, but what? We're always fighting this battle against weeds. Well, I got a couple options to take care of my weed problem. And not that weed problem, my weeds in my yard, okay? Um, anyway, I got a couple options I can do. One of the things I can do, I can spend a couple hours in my yard and I can do this. I can scoop up some rocks and I can go and I can kind of cover things up. And I think in our lives, spiritually, this happens. It's like, hey, I got this problem creeping up. I think I'm just going to trust my gut here. Trust your gut on this one. Go with your heart. And we'll do that. Hey, I'm angry. That really made me mad. I want to fix it. Yell. I'm going to yell. Because I'll win. I'll win. If I'm louder, I'm going to win. Stressful day. Let's get another drink. 
Let's reach for that substance. That's going to go good. Money. Oh, more money. That's what we need. That, that will help with the issue. That's what, that will kind of solve some things. We get some more money. Got a relationship problem? Just the right words. I'll get the right words. I'll just say something, something nice, and that's going to come. Voila. No more problem. No more problem. We're looking good, right? Did I solve anything? No. See, we fight things on the symptom level, on the physical world. We, we look at the symptoms, and we go to battle, fighting this battle, only looking at, at our symptoms. And we never, never get down if we don't get down to the root issue in our problem. Our yard, it'll, it'll look good for a day or two, maybe a couple weeks or so, but what? It's going to creep up. I'm going to still fight the same battle. Devil wants you fighting it on the symptom level. As long as your spouse is the problem, as long as it's the physical issues that are the problem, he's smiling. He loves it. He's got you. And what Paul is saying here, our battles are not against flesh and blood. That we have got to dig down. I'm not going to do it because I'm going to create too big of a mess and this is not our place. We got to dig those things up by the root. And that's not fun because that gets to our heart. That gets to our soul. There's some, you got to do some hard work to get that stuff and get it out. But he's saying that's where it's got to be. That's where you got to attack it, not at the symptom level. He loves, you have that conflict in your life. This is how he works. This is how he deceives. This is one of his trademarks. We'll talk more about this in the coming weeks. You got that conflict in your life, that stress that you did not ask for in your life. And he's going to say, you know what? That came from God. That conflict is from God. And this is how he works. He works in true-ish ways. That conflict may have come from God. That might actually be true. He's going to say, that came from God. God sent that storm in your life. And that might actually be true. But then he's going to flip it. Once he's got you there, he's going to say, hey, that came from God. True. But that means he's against you. He hates you. Look how much he hates you. When God's trying to use that conflict, that storm, to actually work in your life. And not only produce some fruit in your life, but also to work in the lives of others and produce some fruit in their lives and do immeasurably more than you could ask or imagine. He'll twist it. He'll twist it. Paul, right after he says to pray in verse 19, he goes on to say, and pray for me too. You want to fight these battles, prayer is going to be the key. He says, pray for me too. Ask God to give me the right words so I can boldly explain God's mysterious plan that the good news is for the Jews and Gentiles alike. When Paul got saved, he's the author of this book. When he got saved, God gave him a mission. And he said, you are going to go and you're going to preach the gospel to the Jews and the Gentiles. You're going to take it to the world, Paul. Great. Awesome. He's writing to the church in Ephesus. Hey, guys, this is my mission. Except... Verse 20, I am in chains now. No, my mission is to go and reach the world. And I'm in prison. I'm in prison, God. Are you kidding me? 
Why can't we got to get this thing going? If I'm going to reach the world, I don't have much time. I'm not eternal. What's going on? I'm in chains. Conflict comes into our lives. The devil does not want you to accomplish your purpose. What area, what area, if you stepped into it, that would be the area where if you stepped up, God would do some things, but the enemy is going to try to attack that and really take that down. One area is going to be your calling. All of you have a calling and a purpose in life to expand the kingdom of God in the spiritual realm, to go and spread the good news to other people. You have a calling in that. You know what he wants to do? He wants to attack your mouth. He wants you to shut up. He would love for you to go through your entire life and never share about Jesus. He would love for you to go through your entire life and never have a conversation with somebody else where they cross the line from death to life. He would love that. He's going to attack your mouth and keep you silent. For me, as pastor of Freedom Church, you would think, oh, Mike, you're the pastor. You go and you do this and it's your job or whatever. No, you know how he comes? It's a little bit vulnerable for me. But I worked at the lab. And and, and the way he works for me, he's like, oh, well, you quit the lab. And you quit First Baptist. You're going to quit here. You had some projects at the lab that you worked on and they failed. You failed at First Baptist. You're going to fail here. He's dirty. He plays dirty. Another area in your life where he works, your family, your marriage, your kids. You bring no value to the table. If you didn't have kids, she would leave you. In fact, your kids, they don't even like you. So what, what are you even bringing to your family? He will, he will try to cut you right at the core. He is not this, this red outfit and a pitchfork. He wants to steal, kill, and destroy, and he'll do anything he can to fight. But here's the deal. I am in chains now, and I just saw this this morning, and I can't believe I didn't see it, but it's, it, it got me so excited. I am in chains now, still preaching. I am in chains now, and I'm still preaching. I ain't going to stop. I have this calling. You know what Paul did when he got in prison, and he couldn't go around the world physically? He got to writing. I am in prison, I am in chains now, and I'm still preaching. Because I put on the full armor of God. And my God gives me victory. Nobody has it better than me. And I'm going to live that way. Guess what? This is how good God is. Paul is dead. 2,000 years later, guess what? He's still preaching. It has not stopped. God can do immeasurably more than you could ask or imagine. You put on the full, the full, not partial, full armor of God. And you're going to have victory in your life starting today. Nobody has it better than us. God is on our side. He is the undefeated, undisputed, heavyweight champion of the universe for all time. He has not lost. He will not lose. He is eternal. He is your source. He is your salvation. He is your strength. The fact that you're facing discouragement, the fact that you're having doubts and you have waves of conflict is not evidence that God is against you, but more than likely evidence that you are working in stronghold territory of the enemy and he does not want you to accomplish that purpose. And so you can put on, 
You can put on the armor of God and you can start demolishing some strongholds that the enemy has set up in your life and you can start that today. You want to really see some change. You want to start working not on the symptom level, but you want to get in the root level and and, and start seeing some real peace in your life where the weeds are just choking out your air supply. You put on the armor of God because victory is given. God had given them victory in Jericho. He had given them victory in the promised land. They just had to go and take it. The enemy does not stand a chance. Consider today, cock-a-doodle-doo, a wake-up call. You are in a battle. But guess what? You've already won. You just need to put on the armor. You can go into work on Monday. When you face the boss or when you face the, the culture at the lunch table, you can put on the armor of God. You can put on that belt of truth when culture is facing you and say, I, nobody has it better than me. I know culture is going to this direction, but I'm standing firm on this one. On Tuesday, when that addiction, when that temptation is in your face, you can put on the breastplate, breastplate of righteousness because that is going to be me saying, hey, I don't only affirm to the truth, but I'm going to strap this one on because I'm going to live it. I'm going to live in righteousness. On Wednesday, when you're locked in the bathroom and the kids are knocking and banging on the door trying to get in, you can put on your shoes of peace when all chaos is going on. On Thursday, when you're having that fight with your spouse and you know you've won and you want to unload in the fight and let them know your victory, you remember Ephesians chapter 4 where it says, don't let any unwholesome talk come out of uh, your mouth and you will put up the shield of faith even when it's hard and say I'm going to take steps of faith on Friday on Friday when you are so wrapped up in your identity that you've had so many mistakes in your past your past has hurt you it has wounded you you have shame and regret You're going to put on the helmet of salvation knowing that my identity is not in my past. My identity is in my Savior, Jesus Christ. That is who made me new. On Saturday, when you are lonely and it seems like God is silent, I'm going to hold up the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. Jesus is the Word of God. And He said He will never leave me and He will never forsake me. And even though I don't feel it, even though I don't sense it, I know he's there with me. And then on Sunday, baby, when Sunday comes, when Sunday comes and we've been fighting that battle every week, every day, and we know we've had victory, it's been hard. We can celebrate, not because of our circumstances, not because we fought so hard, which is awesome, but we celebrate because Jesus is alive. We serve a risen Savior. I've had three friends travel to Israel in the past uh, three or four weeks, and they've all posted photos. They've gone to the, to the tomb. Guess what? Every one of them, when they went to the tomb and they took pictures and they looked inside, guess what they found? Nothing. He ain't there. He's alive. He is seated in heavenly places, and you are there too. Your access, your access is through prayer and putting on this armor of God and living it out daily. The enemy does not want you aware of this because he knows he knows when you do this he does not stand a chance therefore put on every piece of armor so you will you will 
you will, you will be able to resist the enemy in the time of evil. Then after the battle, you will still be standing firm. Who's got it better than us? Nobody. Nobody. 